The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. Are you following me very carefully? This is important. So when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he takes, you take on the features of the Holy Spirit. He begins to influence the furnitures inside you. Are you following what I'm saying? He begins to change the furnitures because before he came, your furnitures were all in the wrong places. Before he came, the furnitures that were in you were insulting. Praise God now. Before he came, the furnitures that were in you was anger. Before he came, the furnitures that were in you were lost. But the moment he comes in, he begins to rearrange all the furnitures. He begins to rearrange the furnitures and now puts in his furnitures inside of you. Well, uh, because this year is a year of influence, we are putting a lot of things together to make you an influential person. And for us as a ministry, one of our vision is relationships. So this year, uh, from the 28th of March, sorry, 28th of February to the 3rd of March, we are going to have our single and married conference. Amen. Amen. And it's so important because of that, we are flying in a specialist in the area of relationship all the way from South Africa. So it's going to be four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I know that your life will never be the same. So please book that in your calendar and God will bless you. Now I'm quickly going to announce through some of our vision for the year. I won't mention all of them because there's so much of them. It's, It's not a lot, but the breakdowns are quite a lot if you understand what I mean. So because of time, uh, the whole of this month, I'll be sharing them with you. But for this month, I'll only share the first quarter of our vision for 2019. Now what we are going to do for 2019, our first quarter, one of them is a single and married conference, which is from the 28th to the 3rd of March. The second thing we are going to do is the 17th of March, which is on my wife's birthday. We are going to have what I call a bouncing castle and face painting Sunday because we want to really reach the community. So on that day, we're going to make sure we have a bouncing castle out there during the time of the service and face painting for all the children. So we will do little, little cards for you to give to your children to invite all their friends or their parents. Does that make sense? So that they can come in and enjoy that service on that day. Now, our major vision for this year, there are two major ones, but I'll share the first major one with you, which is the first quarter of this year, that is April of this year, from the 19th of April to the 21st of April is Easter. That weekend, please do not travel. Why? Because I was going to travel, but by the reasoning of the Holy Spirit through my wife, she said, don't travel. So I have obeyed. So the Holy Spirit said, one of the things we are going to do as Christians or as a church beginning from this year is 
we are going to feed 10,000 people in Crawley. Amen. Amen. You don't have faith? We are going to feed how many people? 10, how many? 10,000. 10, so this is why after the service we're going to have a meeting with every woman in this church. Because we're going to cook a lot of food and feed 10,000. Very important. Now, we want to use our Easter as, as an evangelistic tool. Jesus fed 5,000. He said we should do greater works so we can feed 10,000. So that means every Easter we're going to feed 10,000 people. Give God praise for that. We're going to feed 10,000 people. So uh, that is, that is um, oh, there's a lot, you know, and my time, you know. Well, and also one of the things we're going to do is, oh, um, this year we are going to really focus on maturing Christians. One of the challenges I have observed is that many people go to church, but they are not growing or maturing. And Sunday service or weekday service is not enough. So we are going to start 20 heaven houses this year in April, immediately after the Easter we're going to start 20 heaven houses. What we are going to ask is, now for you, those of you who don't know, a heaven house is simply uh, like a home sale. So we are going to ask you to give us uh, your house for only an hour and a half on a Saturday. Just so you invite people around your area so that we can reach them for Christ. Some people will never go to church until they first come to your house. Are you following me? So we are going to lay strong emphasis on heaven houses this year. So starting from April, we are going to start 20 heaven houses. And because we are going to start 20 heaven houses, we are going to train 20 heaven house leaders. 20 people to lead the various heaven houses. And it doesn't take long. It's just one hour training which everyone is going to be involved in. And then just use your house to host the ark of God. How many of you remember Obedidom in the Bible? Obedidom hosted the ark of God for only three months and the whole nation heard of him. If you allow a heaven house in your house this year, the whole world will hear of you Amen. in the name of Jesus. The other thing we're going to introduce is a, a growth and maturity classes. A growth and maturity classes. Now we are 10 years, so we can't be doing things we used, we were not doing before. Now the growth and maturity classes is for new believers, so people who come in and give their life to Christ, we're going to have a class for them. And then we're also going to have discipleship and new members class. Because when you join a church, it's important for you to know what the church believes in, what the church stands for, what is the vision of the church, and where the church is going. Does that make sense? So that it gives you a clear idea of what we stand for and where we are going. So these classes will be put together and it will be done once a month. Once a month. That is very important. And this year we are going to have a lot of departmental training. Because I believe in excellence. I have seen a picture of the church God has called me to, to pastor. 
We are not there yet. I know we are still a baby, but I believe that we can get there through training. So there's going to be a lot of trainings this year. All the departments are going to have their own training, the choir, the ushers, the children's department, the finances team, the technical team, the audiovisual team, the projection team. Everyone is going to have a serious training this year. And in most cases, we are going to send some of you away into certain ministries that we'll have agreements with just to go and learn how they do things and then we can implement them here. Amen? And this year, we are going to start our youth ministry. Amen? Are you not excited about that? The youth? We're going to start our youth ministry and we're going to develop it to the highest level in the name of Jesus. And by the grace of God also this year, the next thing we're looking at is our church growth mandate for the year. By the grace of God, we're trusting God to expand into multiple services this year. Say a good amen to that. Because what, what God says this year will come to pass. So if we have not moved yet by Easter, by the grace of God, we'll start multiple services. Two services. Our first service will start from 9.30 a.m. So for those of you who come to church at 10, we are only taking 30 minutes of your time and we come to church at 9.30 a.m. and finish our first service by 11 a.m. And then our second service will start at 10 minutes past 11. So it gives you 11, it gives you time to go out so the second service can come in. And then the second service starts at 11.10 a.m. And then we finish by 12.30 p.m. Amen. So we have just added an extra hour to our main service. And then we can have two services and reach more people for God in the name of Jesus. By the end of this year, by the end of this year, I'm believing God that we'll have minimum 500 strong membership. Amen. Say amen. amen. And it's going to be by the spirit of God amen. by the end of this year. Amen. So like that advert we watched that many people come to church because of what? Relationship. Look around you. You can see someone you invited to the church. Why did they come? Because they have a relationship with you. Now, let me just ask you a simple question. If you are coming here every Sunday and every Thursday, and you are enjoying what you are hearing, that means something good is coming out from this place. Is that right? And I know many of you come from very far. Some of you drive from very far. And there are many churches you could go to, but you have decided to come to this one. That means there's something good God is giving you here. But we don't have to keep it to ourselves. We have to share that with the rest in the name of Jesus. And then next week, not next week, the last Sunday, I'll go into church members' empowerment. There's a, more, a bit more there that I'll share with you in Jesus' name because my time is going. Amen. Well, does that make sense? Um, so there's more and we'll break the vision down so that we can all get it as we go along. In Jesus' name. Just some praise. And just thank him for, for all this vision that he's going to bring to pass. 
He is going to bring it to pass. He's going to empower us. The Holy Spirit will have overshadowed all this vision and it will become a reality in the mighty name of Jesus. He will, he will show us beyond our imagination what he will be able to do in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, are you ready for the word? Okay, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 11. I read. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen. I'm continuing the series I started last week titled Operating Under the Influence of the Holy Spirit. Operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Like I said last week, everyone is under some sort of influence in this world. There are some in the world who are under the influence of drugs. There are others who are under the influence of alcohol. There are others who are under the influence of all kinds of things. So whether we like it or not, everyone is under some form of influence whatsoever. And so it's important for us to understand that whatever influence you are under determines your, your life operations. Or let me put it that, this way, that different, different uh, clim climates have different uh, climatic conditions. And so because of that, uh, we operate differently. For instance, when it's winter, uh, you have to wear puffy jackets and so on and so forth. When it's summer, you dress lights and so on and so forth. Why is that? Because the climatic conditions are different. And because they are different, the way you behave is also different. Are you following me? The same also applies when we are also under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Our behavior changes. The moment you come under the operation of the Holy Spirit, your behavior changes. Why? Because the Bible says that by if the spirit of him, talking about the spirit of God, that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell where? Dwell where? Dwell in you. Now, this is very important. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit is an, a work from the inside out. The work of the Holy Spirit is from the inside out. So, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, guess what happens? He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, this is very important. What this is simply saying is that what dwells in you takes up the behavior you, you behave. Or let me put it this way. Have you been to any of your friend's house and all your friend's house are different? They have different characters. 
what influenced the character or the features in the house is because of the person dwelling in the house. When you go to somebody's house, the person probably likes red carpet. So you see their, their handiworks in their house. They probably like white chairs. So in, you go to their house, you see white chairs. And then you go to another person's house, you see a, a, brown, a brown carpet. Now, you can't compare the person who are different carpets to this one. Why? Because the person that dwells in the house, the house takes the features of that person. Are you following me very carefully? This is important. So when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he takes, you take on the features of the Holy Spirit. He begins to influence the furniture inside you. Are you following what I'm saying? He begins to change the furniture because before he came, your furniture were all in the wrong places. Before he came, the furniture that were in you were insulting. Praise God now. Before he came, the furniture that were in you was anger. Before he came, the furniture that were in you were lost. But the moment he comes in, he begins to rearrange all the furniture. He begins to rearrange the furniture and now puts in his furniture inside of you. Now because the work is from within, when people see you as a matter of time with time, they begin to see the different changes that is happening. They say, oh, but, but we used to go to the pub together. What happened? Because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you and he has rearranged your taste. He has rearranged your desires. So that is what the Bible is talking about, that when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, he changes the way you behave. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you walk. And so this is very important. Now, I want to talk about something very, very important about the Holy Spirit that many people don't know. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. It does not mean that God is three. God is one. Are you following what I'm saying? God is one, but God operates in three different dimensions. So the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Now, because he's the third person, we have to know him and know how to relate with him. Because if you don't know how to relate with him, you might be offending him without knowing. Are you following what I'm saying? Be why? Because the Holy Spirit is very, very sensitive. He's a very sensitive spirit. How many of you remember in the book of, of, of 2 Samuel chapter 6 from verse 14 to verse 23? It's a story about how the ark of God was captured and the ark of God was now coming back home. And David put the ark of the Lord on a couch, remember? And when Uzzah wanted to help the ark of God, he died. And as a result of that, the ark went into the house of Obedidom and stayed there for three months. And then David heard how God was blessing Obedidom and David became jealous and said, no, I'm going to go and get the ark and bring it back home. So whilst David was doing that, David led the ark with praise. That's why in our church, 
we start first with praise because Judah must always go first. Very important. That's why when you are in the ministry of the praise and worship, you have to understand the operation of the Holy Spirit. It's not a fleshly thing. We are not coming here to display how good our, our voices are. We are here to minister unto the Lord so that the ark of the covenant can come in. The ark represents the presence of God. And where the presence of the Lord is, the Bible says what? There is liberty. Are you following what I'm saying? So David danced and he was dancing in front and then when he was dancing, the Bible says that the ark came and then David, the Bible says that was coming to bless his house. Now because he's happy. The moment David got to the gate of his house, the Bible says that Michal, his wife, was at the windowsill looking at David from far. And the moment David got in, verse 20 of that scripture, the Bible says that Michal said, how, how vain was the king today. How he was dancing and left himself open. He was dancing because the Bible says that David danced really hard. He was a king and he danced really well. When he was dancing, he was dancing by the spirit of God. I want you to understand the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Now, because of what Michal said, the Bible says that because of that, David said, well, you have no idea where, where God picked me up from. And so because of that, the Bible says that as a result of Michal despising David, who was carrying the presence of God, who was carrying the power of God, who was carrying the anointing, the Bible says that she became barren till death. She is the only one in scripture who was recorded barren till death. Only one. Why did that happen? Because she despised someone who was carrying the anointing who was operating in the gift of the spirit, but she did not have discernment. The second character we want to look at is Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, from verse 15 to 23, Jesus came to his disciples and asked, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And then they started saying, some saying you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are this. But Jesus went forth and said, but who do you really say I am? Then Peter, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And Jesus went forth to say that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Immediately after that, Jesus started talking about how he was going to die. Then he started explaining to his disciples how he was going to die. Immediately, Jesus started talking about how he was going to die. The Bible says that Peter took Jesus by the hand and took him from the disciples and started rebuking him. And said, how can you say you are going to die? How can you say so and so? Now, I want you to notice the difference. One minute, Peter just was in the spirit. The next minute, he was in the flesh. Then Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. How, how, how was Peter able to transition immediately from the spirit into the flesh? 
because he was not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? This is very important. The Holy Spirit has a very sensitive nature. This means he has feelings that can be affected by the actions of men. Because of the sensitivity nature of the Holy Spirit, the Bible actually went forth to warn us that we should not do these seven things to the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for them? Number one. These are the seven things. Number one. We must not lie to the Holy Spirit. Write this die to help you. Number one, we must not lie to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5 from verse 3 and 4. You know the story? From verse 1, everybody was asked to, to sell their properties and bring the offering so that they can expand the church. Ananias and Safari sold their land and the next thing they did is they, they made uh, uh, an agreement between themselves and said, let's not give all the money. Have you noticed that when you make a vow to God and say, God, if you bless me this year, I will tithe. And then the moment the money comes, the money starts giving you assignment. The money starts telling you, oh, if I take this 10%, I can actually invest it here and I'll get 20% back. God understand. God can wait. Do you remember that? I remember the first time I made a covenant with God. I told God, God, if you give me a job, my first job, I'll use it to pay somebody's school fees. And guess what? The day I was paid, I was so excited. I was just calculating in my mind what I was going to use the money for. And then immediately the Holy Spirit reminded me and said, did you remember you made a vow? that you're going to use the money to pay somebody's school fees, immediately I apologized to the Holy Spirit and said, okay, I repent and took that money and paid for the person's school fees. Now many of us are in that category. Ananias and Safari sold a plot of land, supposed to bring the money to the church, and they decided to lie. And they thought they were lying to the church pastors. They thought they were lying to the leaders. That's why when it's time for tithes and offerings, you have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what should I give? Have you ever been in a service and the Holy Spirit tells you, give everything and you disobey before? Yeah, it happens. There was a time I went to church one day when I just gave my life to Christ and the Holy Spirit said, give everything. I said, how am I going to get back home? This is not from God. I bind you, devil. And by the time the offering basket came near, I was crying and crying and crying and crying. And I put everything in the offering basket. And in those days, it was nothing. It was probably less than one pound in, in, in terms of conversion into that currency. But for me, it was a lot of money. And guess what happened? Immediately I stepped out. I was going to walk home. I went past where I was walking and the taxi rank was there. And somebody called me from a taxi and said, come, one more person, sit at the front and let's go. That was the first day I sat in a taxi. I said, I don't have the money to pay. He said, I'll pay for you. Just sit down so we can go. Do you see how the Holy Spirit operates? So sometimes he will tell you to do something and sometimes it's very difficult to do. But it's important that we don't lie to the Holy Spirit. 
Acts chapter 5 verse 3 and 4. The Bible says that, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remaineth, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but you have lied unto God. This year, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and don't lie to men. You see, sometimes you might be lying to pastor, but you're actually lying to the Holy Spirit. You are actually lying against the Holy Spirit. So we must not lie against the Holy Spirit. Number two, we must not resist the Holy Spirit. Number two, we must not resist the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. It says, Ye stiff, naked, necked, and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Listen, the Holy Spirit has specific ministries on behalf of the believer. And it is imperative that we understand how he operates in our lives. Resisting the Holy Spirit is not yielding to him when he tries to minister in your life. There's a testimony in this church of a lady who his, her family came to church. It was a weekday service. And she was home doing nothing. The Holy Spirit nudged her, go to church. That day, she had issues with hearing in her ears. Not that day, she had had that issue for so long. And the Holy Spirit said, go to church. And she was resisting. Her family had gone to church, she was in the house. And then, all of a sudden, she took her daily devotion. And then, on the daily devotion, the Bible, that day, it says, be strong and be very courageous. And immediately she finished reading it, she went to church. She came to church. And guess what? That day was her day of healing. Amen. When she came to church that day, she had had this issue with her ear for so long. That day the message was with God, all things are possible. And that very day she was healed. Now, guess what? If she had resisted the Holy Spirit and had not obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit, she would still have a problem with that ear. So it's important that we do not resist the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you gently, don't go out. You have this urge to go out. The Holy Spirit will tell you, don't go out. And you wonder, why do I have to? You start reasoning. And whilst you stayed in and obeyed the Holy Spirit, something happened at that place that you were going to go. I remember when the, the bombing happened in London many years ago in, in the buses. One of the buses that the bombing happened in was the bus I used to work. That day, I was ironing my uniform to go to work. I used to work in Boots the Chemist in, 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 in um, Morgate in London. I used to be a city boy. <laughs> so those of you who have not been to the city before, I used to be a city boy, man. You know? So... I was ironing my uniform very early in the morning and the presence of the Holy Spirit just fell upon me that day. 
And whilst I was ironing, I started weeping and crying and I don't know what happened. And then the time went and I was late and I missed the bus. That was a bus that the bomb happened on. Can you see, if I had resisted the Holy Spirit then, I would be here today. Are you following me? Number three, we must not quench the Holy Spirit. Number three, we must not quench the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 19. It says, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. How do we quench the spirit? We quench the Holy Spirit when we refuse to do what the Holy Spirit ha will have us to do. The word quench is used elsewhere in the scriptures as to putting out fire. When you quench the Holy Spirit, it stops the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Quenching the Holy Spirit is like throwing water on fire. Are you following what I'm saying? When the Holy Spirit wants to operate in you and you resist him and you quench him, his power stops operating in you. Quenching the Holy Spirit is not doing what the Holy Spirit will have us do. And listen, the Holy Spirit knows better than we do. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never lead you into fire. The Holy Spirit will never guide you into danger. Yes, you say, Pastor, what about Matthew chapter 4 verse 1? The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That is different. Even if the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, when Jesus came back down in verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus was full of the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit will never lead you into evil. Hallelujah. Amen. Number four, we must not grieve the Holy Spirit. This one is very important. We must not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is doing something that the Holy Spirit does not want us to do. Then the word not is in capital letters. Doing things that the Holy Spirit does not want us to do. The nation of Israel grieved the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 78 verse 40, the Bible says that how oft did they, did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. So in many occasions, they were provoking the Holy Spirit. They were grieving him. Every time he was leading them, they were doing everything against him. The Bible wants us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. It says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. The Holy Spirit sealed us. So it's important for us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now it's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit operates. Because every time you are grieving the Holy Spirit, you are agitating or irritating the Holy Spirit. And sometime in church, in an atmosphere of the presence of the Lord, if you are not careful, if you are in the choir, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. If you are in the technical department and the, and the worship is flowing or the word is flowing, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you can grieve the Holy Spirit by allowing your phone to ring in church service. 
Sometimes you can grieve the Holy Spirit by allowing yourself to answer phone calls and be distracted by text messages in the service. Are you following what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit is a very sensitive spirit. That's why as a pastor, my Saturdays and my Sundays are very important. Because please understand how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit needs an environment of peace, an atmosphere that he can operate in. That's why I don't want to mention names, but if you, you, I'm sure you know these are public information that are out there. Major ministers who operate in the spirit check their marriages. They are divorced. Major pastors who operate in the realm of the Holy Spirit are divorced. Why? It's because most of the time, the wives don't understand how the Holy Spirit operates. When they need a time with the Holy Spirit, they're shouting in the house, screaming in the house. Children are screaming. This is happening. The woman is asking, uh, when are you going to buy me my new shoe? Whilst he's getting ready. You promised me a car on my birthday. When is it going to happen? Are you following what I'm saying? Check major ministers who operate in the realm of the spirit. Their marriages are in tatters. It's not because they are not good husbands. It's because operating in the Holy Spirit is a higher dimension. It's a higher dimension. There's been times I, 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 have, to, I have to slow down to be able to move at the same pace with my wife and the children. Are you following what I'm saying? So we have to understand how the Holy Spirit operates. Sometimes you grieve the Holy Spirit by being in the service and whilst the message is going on, you are chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have to. Now, God called the children of Israel stiff neck. They were stiff-necked. Their ears, they could not hear. Why? Because they were continually grieving the Holy Spirit. They were continually provoking him on the wilderness. Yet the Holy Spirit was there to guide them. Sometimes you can be a choir leader and grieve the Holy Spirit by singing the wrong song. By singing the wrong song. That's why it's important to know the service before you lead it. Sometimes you can grieve the Holy Spirit by just coming to shout and, and, and behave anyhow. Number five, we must not insult the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory. Are you getting something out of this? We must not insult the Holy Spirit. You insult the Holy Spirit by going back into sin after you have experienced forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 29. It says of how much sorrow punishment. Suppose he shall he be thought worthy. Who has trodden underfoot the son of God. And hath counted the blood of the covenant. Wherewith he was sanctified. An holy thing. And had done despite unto the spirit of grace. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 four, verse 4 to 6. It says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come 
and if, verse 6, and if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So every time we go back to sin, we are insulting the Holy Spirit. Number six, we must not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We must not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. This is very important. The sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit has been called the unpardonable sin. Because according to Jesus, it is the only one sin for which there is no forgiveness. Somebody say, wow. That's serious, isn't it? God Almighty can forgive every sin. The only sin he does not forgive is the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme means to speak abusive words with which reject the power of the Holy Spirit as being of God and claim it is of Satan. Let me tell you something that the Lord has been teaching me recently. One of the things I sometimes don't like is when, you know, uh, a, a singer in church, a praise and worship team, now I'm using the praise and worship team not because of you, but just for examples and so on and so forth, is when sometimes they are ministering and they are ministering the wrong way. And sometimes I become very angry in my spirit. The Lord said to me, just leave them alone. Because my spirit is upon them. Not all of them, some of them. So, you see, this is why the Bible says, touch not my anointed. And do my prophets no harm. Because, you see, you will not know whether this person is anointed or not. And who, or who he is anointed by. That's why we have to be careful of criticizing men of God. Because if he is operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you criticize him. Guess what? You are not criticizing him. You are criticizing the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So if a person totally rejects the power of the Holy Spirit, then he can never be saved. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit which draws sinful men to Jesus. The Holy Spirit produces many visible confirming signs of God's power. Jesus, what Jesus was saying is that if a person could not accept these miraculous signs as proof of the truth of the gospel, then what could ever possibly convince them to believe? Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. I want you to underline that word, not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32, and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, 
it shall not be forgiven them, neither in this world or in the world to come. Can you see how serious this is? That's why we have to be careful not to be quick to judge. Yes, you have opinion, but don't take it to social media platforms. The hand of the Lord might be upon that person. You might not know. That's why we have to be careful the way we treat people. Because this is why I'm telling you that most men of God whose marriages are under attack is not because they are not good husbands. These are people who are really operating under the, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but the people around them don't know how to manage the atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you watch someone like Benny Hinn, most of the time he's angry with the person singing or the person playing the keyboard. Why? Because they cannot discern the moment. Most of the time he will tell people, don't come near me, don't touch me in a very angry way because you have to understand how the Holy Spirit works. This is so crucial. This year, if we are going to be an influential church, an influential Christian, we have to understand how the Holy Spirit operates. Sometimes when I am under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear anybody talk around me. Because I am having an intimate moment with the Holy Spirit. Number seven, we must not vex the Holy Spirit. To vex the Holy Spirit means to irritate, to annoy, to provoke, or to make him angry. The Holy Spirit is vexed by the disobedience and unbelief of mankind. The prophet Isaiah records what happened to God's people, Israel, when they vexed the Holy Spirit in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10. It said, but they rebelled and vexed the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. Look at that. The Holy Spirit was there to help them, but they vexed him and the Holy Spirit turned against them and the Holy Spirit became their enemy. Now, if you are the enemy of man, God will intervene. But if you are the enemy of God, who will intervene? Who will intervene for you? <laughs> so quickly, as we get ready for our Holy Ghost service, how do I receive the Holy Spirit baptism? Very important. How do I receive the Holy Spirit baptism? Number one, you must know and understand with conviction that the Holy Spirit is a free gift. If anybody tells you, pay money, give me money to fast for you, that's an agent of the devil. You don't even need to fast to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. You don't need to fast. It's a free gift. Luke chapter 11 from verse 9 to 13, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I say unto you, ask and you shall be given you seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be opened unto you for Everyone that asks receiveth, and everyone that seeketh find. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. 
Verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of his father, of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, key verse, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So the Holy Spirit is a what? A free gift. You don't pay for it. You don't have to roll on the floor for it. You don't have to go to a special beach and be bathed for it. You don't have to meet with a, a holy prophet in a hotel room for him to bath you for it. The Holy Ghost is a free gift. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. It's free. Nobody needs to fast for you before you receive him. What is a gift? A gift is simply what you receive by doing nothing. So the Holy Spirit is a free gift. Number two, desire to know the Holy Spirit. You must have the desire. Because if you don't have the desire for him, you cannot have an intimate relationship with him. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 2 and 3 say, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. It says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. If the Holy Spirit is a desire, when you pray, you will have him. And I pray for you this year that the Holy Spirit will be your companion. And please hear me. Even for those of you who have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is not enough. You have to be filled on a daily basis. It's like buying a new car and putting petrol in it and say that, okay, I put one petrol for life. No, so far as you use the petrol, the petrol will finish and you have to feel it every time. Some of us in the Holy Spirit, we are on E. E means empty. Today, some of us are going to move from E to F. F means full. Today, you'll be full of the Holy Spirit. And listen, so far as you are in this world and you're going about your university, your, your education, your job, and so on and so forth, the Holy Spirit will be depleted on a daily basis. So you have to be filled on a daily basis. Um, I'm saying this with all humility. At the beginning of every year, uh, my wife and I, we go on a 40 days prayer and fasting from the 1st of January to the 9th of February. And this year is not an exception. So yesterday, uh, we broke our fast at 6 o'clock, banged on the door, and we were eating. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, do you remember in those days when you used to fast, this long fast? You not eat at 6. You pray from 6 to 7, one hour nonstop. <laughs> but now you have replaced prayer with food. Now I'm not saying we don't pray throughout the day. We do pray but you see 
Then the Holy Spirit said to me, this is why there is no more power in the church. But I'm telling you, we are back to the days of power. Cripples will be walking in this church. I'm telling you, we are back to the days of God's power. Are you following what I'm saying? And many of us, this week, as we are going to fast, we will not do till 6. We will be looking at the clock, 5.30. 5.31 is too long. 5.32, no, I cannot go to 6. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You know I've done my best. In Jesus' name, I break this fast now. Amen. And your food is already there. <laughs> and some of you, tomorrow morning, you wake up first day and you have breakfast. And say, oh, I forgot I'm meant to fast. You know you did not forget. You know the Holy Spirit reminded you you are supposed to fast this week. But I pray for you that God will give you grace to fast. Amen. Amen. Number three, number three, you must be born again. Number three, you must be born again. John chapter three from verse one to six. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a good teacher, come from God, and no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God is with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you must be born again. Very important. Number four. Quickly, as we get ready to close, you must be prayed for. You must be prayed for. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, you must be prayed for. Acts chapter 8 from verse 14 to 16. The Bible says that now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So yes, they were born again, but they had not received the Holy Spirit baptism then. Verse 16, it says, for as yet he was falling upon none of them, only they that were baptized in the name of the Lord. So the first stage is getting born again. The second stage is what? Being prayed for. Being prayed for. Number five is through the laying on of hands. Through the laying on of hands. Acts chapter, seven, Acts chapter 8 from verse 17 to 20. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Did you see that? Yes. The apostles laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hand, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. That is wrong. That's why I said to you, you don't have to give anybody money to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Saying, give me also this power that in whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, 
your money perish with you because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So the Holy Spirit is a free gift and you don't have to buy it with money. Finally, as we close, being filled by the Holy Spirit is an inward experience but has an outward expression. It's an inward experience, but has an outward expression. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is the prescription to receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing, mighty rushing wind, and it filled on the house that they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like that of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was an inward experience, but it had an outward expression. Inward experience with an outward expression. Did you get that? Very important. So this morning, if you are here and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this morning is your day. Amen. I said today is your day. Amen. And listen, Jesus said the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 13 verse 33, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a living that a woman took and hid in three meals. And it's living. Are you following me? So the Holy Spirit is that living. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he, he causes an explosion. An explosion. So as we desire the Holy Spirit today, as we allow the Holy Spirit to influence us, the whole of this year, your life will be a surprise to many. I said your life will be a surprise to many. In the name of Jesus. Did you receive it this morning? Let's give Jesus a better praise. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed.